0: It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Hey, welcome everybody. This is Ears Up Podcast. Starting another time. We're going to just start over. Yeah. Uh, Fresh start. Yeah, had a little audio problem there, but you know what? We overcome. That's what we do. As podcasters, as professional... As humans. Right, right. As professional phoenixes, we rise from the ashes of every failure to just do it again and again. You went there. (laughs) Well, you know, what are you going to do, man? Uh, Today we have a good show for you because I am doing it. It is the history of the Tahitian Terrace in Disneyland. And for those of you astute listeners, uh, that became Aladdin's Oasis, and it became nothing. (laughs) Which, ironically, it 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 went from a a Tahitian Terrace to an oasis to then a desert. Because it just didn't do anything with it. And now it's back, of course. But anyway, we'll get into all that. We have a window from Beverly, where finally... Back to doing these uh, these uh, main street windows, man. It was such a good idea. I really liked it. I really liked doing those. Oh,
1: I do, too, the actually. The concept I was like, cool. I like learning about the individuals. I like um, learning about like the learning. individuals. Hello,
0: my name is Beverly. I like learning about the individuals.
1: <laughs> but it's been so long since I've done one of these that I yeah. I actually was con- concerned that I've actually already read this one because right. I've read it so many <laughs> times that I'm familiar with it, and I was like, well, gosh.
0: Yeah, and again, is this
1: regurgitated information? <laughs> and that's so my fault. Sorry.
0: Yeah, and that, well, that's my fault too because you you've come in with this, you've had this kind of done already. For oh yeah, the several last shows. time it
1: was edited was February twentieth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I go, wow, well, we have too much to do, and and I almost did it to you again today. I go, man, this is actually kind of long, and I have a bunch of news, which some of it's actually really important news. Like, not really. I mean, what? How important can it be? But there's some cool stuff to talk about in the about Disney Star World. Wars. It's uh, some of it is, and I might skip a couple things because it is—it's a lot. I got to Look, I'm. gonna If you hate my voice, you're gonna hate this show. <laughs> I got a lot going on here, but before we get to any of that, this show is sponsored by Getaway Today, Disney's top wholesale partner. They'll help you plan your Disneyland vacation with the best tips and secrets, all while making it affordable with their discount tickets, reduced hotel rates, and layaway plan. Head over to getawaytoday.com/slash ears up that's the only way they're going to know that we, that we sent you, right? And start planning your magical vacation. Tell them ears up sent you and use code ears up to save an extra 10 bucks on your SoCal vacation package. Man, the people at getaway today are really nice. They sent over a it's like a Costco-sized bag of these treats. It was they were like uh, it, it, it had their own sticker on it. It was like, "Hey, we're celebrating Star Wars Land is opening and that's really cool and thank you for being a like fruit a snacks. Well no 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 they were chocolate covered like you know the flat the thin pretzel bites or not they're not bites but they're like pretzel but they're flat like baked flat I know ones exactly what you're right right about. right covered in mint chocolate like and not milk chocolate but the dark chocolate because like, milk chocolate stuff? is is trash to begin like nobody should be eating milk chocolate Hershey's is terrible just this dark chocolate or get out of my face and it's and it was mint flavored and you you taste one and it was almost it was almost too minty. It was almost like menthol, but it was one of those things where it was just enough mint in your mouth to make you want to just keep to
1: keep going. Eating. And like you probably couldn't really taste the pretzel, it just nope, was the no. crunch factor. Right. Yeah, so it was it was like chocolate-covered potato chips at that point. Oh my god, <laughs> they
0: were so good and I ate a quarter of the bag by myself. Atta boy. And then I put it down, and then later on in the night I ate another quarter of the bag. <laughs> it was gone in three days, oh, mostly I was by ask me. For some, but you ate no, no, no. Actually, they were here last time you were here, and I, 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 As you guys left, I saw on the counter that they were there. I was like, <laughs> oh, I totally should have told Bev because we would have just sat there like huffalumps on the couch, <laughs> just eating these things.
1: And then I would have been like, why
0: am I so fat? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm gonna exercise.
1: But
0: then I don't. Tomorrow.
1: Tomorrow. <laughs>
0: anyway, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, uh, we're going to be talking about the history of the Tahitian Terrace, not the Tahitian Terrence, although I think that would be a good Halloween costume for Terrence, the Tahitian Terrence.
1: I feel like it's an everyday costume for Terrence. Have you seen Mm, the shirts that man wears? Yeah,
0: that's true. Um, Let's see. Also, free Patreon people, we're doing a secret show tonight. That link is already up in the Patreon right now. So hit that up. We'll see about 9.30, probably got a good drink for you. Um, I forget what it's called, but you know, I made some grenadine syrup specifically for this this drink.
1: You made it yourself? hmm Wow.
0: Yeah. Well instead of buying it, because first of all, I don't use that much grenadine in my drink, so yeah. what am I gonna do with it? Um but it's just it's dude, it's pomegranate juice and uh sugar. <laughs> and you bring it's like a one to one ratio. Yeah. Just a cup of pomegranate juice, a cup but of sugar. You just boil it? Yeah. You just, you bring the juice to a boil. I did it to a simmer. Um, oh, and then wow. you put the cup in of uh, sugar, stir it around for like 30 seconds till the sugar dissolves, turn it off, let it cool down, put it in a container. Grenadine. Easy.
1: Sounds healthy. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it's going to be great. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Uh, let's see. Before we get to the show and to Bev's window, of course, the Magic Candle Company. Check them out. MagicCandleCompany.com slash discount slash ears up or. Just go to the magiccandlecompany.com and then use the code ears up if you don't remember the URL. Uh, but they have so much more than just candles. They're scented candles, but they have air fresheners, they have bath bombs, they have essential oils. Bev brought uh, bought a lot of stuff the last time.
1: I did. The yeah. last show I was purchasing things I bought.
0: Which is not unique to that show.
1: Not at all. <laughs> no, no, <laughs>
0: Beverly I'm... is frequently found in the shopping carts of various URLs during numerous
1: all, shows. During all, all of my podcast job shows. Um, well, what did you buy? I bought pirate water. Mm-hmm. I bought orange groves. I, mm-hmm. I didn't buy candles. I bought wax melter. Oh, that's right. Because you have a wax melter I have a thing. Sensy thing that I spent too much money on and <laughs> never use. So I was like, I'm gonna use this thing. Yeah. Um, it's just like burning a candle. So I bought pirate water, orange groves, New Orleans. Okay.
0: Possibly it called smelled New like Orleans feces and, and stale beer. Okay. <laughs> no, it actually
1: it, it has like a, a strong. Um, like tree smell to me okay like piney all right i I really enjoy that one um and then i think i don't want to say the name of the last one because i actually think what i was calling it earlier was Mm -hmm. incorrect
0: oh okay yeah 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 So
1: i'm not gonna call it that right just for the sake of rules right yeah but um it is a ride that we all love and enjoy it's very similar okay the name is and uh, okay the name is yes okay all right. And I, I'm happy with all of them, and I will make more purchases. Awesome. And I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor. Like, I actually really, really like what I bought. Well, and y- it's cheaper than buying the other crappy ones that I was...
0: <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, we were talking on the show. I didn't tell you before the show. Like, you learned about it on the show. I totally did, and, and I bought, bought them the show. I need to buy some, too. Show. But anyway, you'll get 15% off if you go to magiccandlecompanycom slash discount slash ears up. And uh, don't forget to go to the URL or use our code, which is just ears up. But that's the only way they're going to know that we sent you. And so we get credit for that. And then they've helped us keep the show together. So do that. Support them. It's cool stuff. Uh, Okay, you can find us on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Feedback on the show goes to Taryn at earsup podcast.com. Show suggestions goes to Terrence at earsup podcast.com. You can say hi Hi. to Bev, and anything comes to me, Jason. Uh, Speaking of Terrence, Terrence. I was going
1: to say, by the way, he's not here.
0: Yeah, Terrence, where is Terrence? Oh, he's at his kids' play or something like that.
1: Which is unfortunate because nobody wants to be there.
0: At their like seven year olds play yeah, like with
1: all those other kids, <laughs>
0: yeah. not
1: remembering their lines and singing off, no. wetting
0: themselves out Literally, of fear. Literally, if you're a
1: parent and you enjoy that, t- teach me because I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to be a good parent.
0: <laughs> well, I think it just involves drugs. I think there's CBD oil. You'd Take a CBD gummy. I don't know. Right. You're like anything's cool. I- I guess. Okay. Support Ears Up. Go to etsy.com slash ears, and you can support this show. Buy a bunch of our cool t-shirts and cove ears and all that kind of stuff. Go to patreon.com slash ears up. Become a Patreon member. Five bucks a month. You get secret show, plus your help keeping the show together. Anything else above that, you get a you know, little photo here and there and whatever. So uh, we're, we're trying to make it interesting for you guys. But patreon.com slash ears up. That's the best way to support the show. And, of course, spread the word. Tell your friends about it. If you do any kind of internet shopping, you can go to Amazon. Uh, <laughs> I got ahead of myself. You can go to our website and then there's an Amazon link, whether somewhere. I think it's like in the About Us section. I got to fix that. Uh, and then, you know, click on that and do your Amazon shopping. That helps too. Uh, let's do your window now because I'm kind of tired of talking. Okay. Who's our window on today? Wow, thanks Bev?
1: for uh, giving me a heads up on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you're a trained professional. You should always be prepared. It's already up here and ready to, to be go. at my whim and do yeah, whatever. Beck and call. Yes.
1: Um, okay. Let's see here. Let me just move the camera change to the, the camera. Place. Yeah, and so
0: Taryn, of course, for, you know, everybody's listening to the show for a while. No, this is Alice's bedtime. So Taryn's putting the kid to sleep and we'll see, uh, we'll see what time she joins us. It's not going well. She's teething now, like a lot, like all her molars are coming in on both sides at the same time and it's just, it's been a nightmare. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, enough about Alice. Yeah, okay, Get God, over it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm just kidding. I really
1: am. Um so we're going to be talking about Greg Emmer today. All right. Which is honestly oh there was a name I wanted to clarify before I started reading this with you, but I guess I'm just gonna just clarify it. now. That's fine. Okay. Um I feel like it's somebody I probably should know the name of and I don't.
0: And dude, you're talking to the last person who will ever judge <laughs> about not knowing someone's weird name from history of Disneyland.
1: Well, it's not that long ago. It's
0: denies me, right? I think it's Willat.
1: That's it. Okay. Willat. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. All right. Good. Um, anyway, we're talking about Greg Emmer, somebody I'd never heard of before. He has a window at Disneyland. The end. Okay. Kidding. Perfect. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so Greg got his start at Disneyland as a part-time employee while he was still in college back in um, 1968. His first assignment was as an operator at the, on the Matterhorn. Okay. So he's a part-time kid, just you know, running rides, whatever. Uh, he graduated from college. Wait, was it college? Yeah, he graduated from college in 1971. In 1971, he was promoted into management and transferred to Walt Disney World. Wow. <laughs> so what,
0: I wonder. It was probably had something to do with his there, degree, right?
1: I'm assuming. Yeah. Um,
0: I would guess I'm <laughs> communications major. You're
1: going to Disney <laughs> going World, boy. To Disney World. Let's go um he well, he was sent there to help start up their transportation area, so he worked on monorail the monorail ferry boats, buses parking all the all the johns okay um and honestly, like when you think about Walt Disney world, that's a huge job, yeah, like that's she big absolutely um over the next three decades, he worked at Disney world, so he worked there for thirty plus years, he worked in theme park operations also in attractions, also in food also in merchandise, also in entertainment.
0: Oh, so he was kind of everywhere. He
1: had a lot of jobs.
0: Either he was really good or really bad and all those. And he just kept getting, well, yeah, I think he was really good because if he worked feeling, yeah.
1: at all levels of management, including vice president. Oh, wow. And this is while he was at Disney World. And when I say he was vice president, he was vice president at Magic Kingdom, vice president of Epcot, vice president for attractions line of business. Wait. Vi- and vice president for the Attractions line of business. All
0: right. Well, Sorry, always never, a bridesmaid, never a bride, <laughs> I guess.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, and like, also, I just want to rewind there. Yeah. He started as a Matterhorn operator.
0: <laughs> <Right>. You too <laughs> can make it big in Disney by starting at the Matterhorn. Well,
1: I made a note there, and like, I kind of don't think that's true anymore. Like, I don't think you can get a job as a Matterhorn operator anymore at Disneyland. I, like, don't they frown on that?
0: I don't know. I mean, you know, we know a guy who was started figure finishing and now he's an Imagineer. That's so tr- that's it, true. it does happen, but I,
1: I don't think it's the norm anymore. I don't
0: think at that management level either because I, I have a feeling the way the company is so big, especially, especially now, I don't know why I stutter over that. Um, I think they're headhunting people. Yeah. I would have a hard time believing that, you know, someone's loading people on, you know, um, Little Mermaid or whatever, and then they're going to... But I'm going to be manager someday. I'm going to be a VP of something Some. I have a hard time believing that, but...
2: But
1: then they also have the Disney College program.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there are ways to, to do it. I don't know. I It'd be really interesting, actually, to to, to do a show and to talk to somebody about that. Like, how do you move up internally? How do you do that? And can you go from wearing, uh, you know, a costume costume. and and like be wearing suits in 20 years, you know, getting paid a bunch of money to to be VP of something. Can can you actually do that?
1: Right. Um, So after 30 years, in late 2003, he was transferred to Disneyland. Okay. So he moved from Florida to California um, to lead the resort operating team as senior vice president. So just to clarify, like, we talked about this earlier because I needed clarification. That's the whole resort. That's right. Disneyland. That's Disneyland. That's california. california That's downtown Disney. That's all the things. Yeah. Um, and he worked there until he retired in 2008. Nice. And so something I got from reading about him was, and I, I picked and chose the information that I included in here, but there was um, just a lot of things that I just thought were interesting. And it, it, what stood out was that he, had, um, he was really dedicated to making sure not only Guests had the best experience, but also the employees that worked underneath him. Okay. So I have um, a little, a short little story that... <coughs> it's a quote from him. Excuse me. <coughs> What's wrong with you today? Sorry. I just inhaled that Chipotle bowl, and now I'm dying. <laughs> um, so he's asked the question, give us an example of an extremely re- rewarding leadership experience. And this is um, Greg talking. Yeah. By far, my most interesting and rewarding experience was in my last assignment as the leader of the resort operations team at Disneyland, December 2003 through February 2008. Well, that's the year I got, that's the month I got married. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I moved from Walt Disney World to Disneyland to assist, this is the name, Matt Oimet. Okay. O-U-I-M-E-T? met Sure. Sure. Matt. Matt. Matt O. Uh, who had just been named the new president. This is why I feel like I should know who this guy is. You don't even know. <laughs> um, To help the new president in rejuvenating the guest and cast experiences and right. to make dramatic improvements in business results. I feel like he was probably successful. Um, it's always stressful to move into a new assignment, getting to know your new team, establishing strong working relationships with your peers, adjusting to the organizational structure, structure if necessary. But this change also involved an intense focus on upgrading the Disneyland quote-unquote show and at the same time ramping up the guest experience. Mm-hmm. Our goals were to commenced the 50th anniversary having the Disneyland Resort looking fresh and revitalized, reinstalling, reinstilling a sense of pride in the cast and taking service levels to all-time highs. All of this had to be accomplished in a very short frame of time. As it turns out, the team was extremely successful. Disneyland never looked better. Our guests told us that our cast members delivered service, eh, delivered excellent service and made dreams come true. In their words the result feels different. The 50th anniversary was a huge undertaking and it served as a wonderful launching pad for all the great things that followed. Hmm. On September 15th... That's a bold statement. I know, right? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. Oh, anything <laughs> cool happened after the 50th? I did that. It's because, it's fine, I mean, I good. laid the groundwork. Yeah, I already did that. Yeah.
1: I wonder how he thinks about things now. Oh, geez. Um, on September 15th, 2008, Greg received one of the highest honors a Disneyland employee can receive. He received a tribute window um, on Main Street, USA, um, in honor of his almost 40 years of service at the Disneyland Resorts and Parks. Um, so his window says, the cast doctors celebrating our 50th, operating in many lands around the world, every, and then in quotes, every cast a perfect fit. Grey, em- Grey Emmer, specializing in casting since 68. And this is above the Main Street cinema.
0: Okay. Very good. <coughs> I like it. It's a good story. Speaking of good stories. He's like a cool guy. Yeah, right? The 21st Amendment. Our good friends have been serving craft beer in the San Francisco Bay Area for 19 years. From their initial brew pub on 2nd Street, which is just two blocks from Giants Stadium, in San Francisco to their production brewery and taproom across the bay in San Leandro, the 21st Amendment is now available in 29 states, including in and around the parks. Next time you're in San Francisco, visit the brew pub and shoot over to neighboring San Leandro to check out the new production brewery and tap room for great beers and good food. And be sure to ask for the two, uh, 21st Amendment wherever you find good craft beer. Man, I went to the uh, to Safeway, um, you know, do some shopping, You yeah. hit the beer aisle, whatever. And uh, they have a, a light lager called El Sully. Mm-hmm. Grabbed a six pack Delicious. of that. It's really good stuff, right? So I, I come home and I'm putting the groceries away and I was like, I'm going to have a beer. I deserve it. It's, you know, four in the morning. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's 8.30. Yeah. And uh, I, I opened the box and like I, I reach in, I pull out a can and it, it was like one of those novelty like... I don't know. It just the can kept going and going. Instead of buying a, a six pack of like just the twelve ounce cans, I bought apparently a four pack of their stove pipes, the like the nineteen point whatever ounce cans. I was like, I had no idea. I didn't
1: know they made those, but I want them.
0: Right. So I texted Sean uh, and at the at the two and A, I was like, just just so you know, I had no idea that this even existed. He goes, Yeah, they're for like music venues. I'm like, that would be good. That's a, probably a really good golfing size. It's a a good golfing beer because it's a light alcohol, but anyway, it's good stuff. I like it. All right. History of the Tahitian Terrace. Everything you guys have been waiting 20 minutes for is me. (laughs) It's my show right now. I don't know. Whatever. Here we go. The area known now as... Oh, well, no. I'll do it later.
1: Where did I have that? (sighs) No, oh, he's on. he's
2: broken.
0: I'm a little broken, but um, let me. The problem is now that I have two computers. This I, I didn't download the thing that I actually need on this computer. I downloaded it on my other computer, so I just had to download it real fast. So,
1: did the um, just give me a second? Did the other other computer like did she 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 gone? Well, I mean, it's
0: down here. I just I, What I need to do is plug it in and just kind of figure out if I just need to replace the fan or not. But then I also need to figure out if it's worth it. Right. Because it was $200. The whole computer? The, well, yeah. It's a Chrome box. So it's just super tiny. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Here we go. I got it. Okay. The area we now know as the Tahitian Terrace opened up in June of 1962, but didn't start out as a full Tahitian concept. Originally, it was called the Pavilion Lanai, which in case you didn't know, Lanai just means porch or veranda like or whatever, oh yeah. Um and it's part of the, it was part of the Plaza Pavilion building. Actually, it still is. That whole building is all just one thing, right? So this is how it was in 1962. You go down Main Street.
1: I'm going to Google a photo of this. Okay.
0: Um, well, the Plaza Pavilion right now is called the Jolly Holiday Bakery. So if you have that in your head, you know okay, where the Jolly okay, Holiday yeah. is right there, um, anchoring basically Main Street, and then you round the corner and this right. Adventureland, right? That's the plaza. It was called the Plaza Pavilion. Okay. Okay? So you walk down Main Street, enter the Plaza Pavilion... You hit the buffet, grab your spaghetti or chicken Alfredo, because the whole thing was sponsored by Stofers at the time. <laughs> of course it was. Right. So it's, you know, you get this, and it was, I think it was their like Contadina brand or something like that, right? It was just promoting their Italian line of, you know, whatever. So they had a bunch, of, it was buffet style. Uh, and then you continue through the back of the Plaza Pavilion, mm-hmm. and you sit outside on plastic tables, and you look out onto the Jungle Cruise, and it's, you know, they had like a thatched roof. Kind of thing, but it wasn't really super themed out from what right. I could tell. Again, this is very hard to figure out because there weren't a whole lot of photos of the Tahitian Terrace really right. that you could find that that showed a lot of detail. You know, a lot of people on the web have like uh, family photos where there's eight miles away. Yeah, they're like get together and yeah, and look as far with away its, as like possible.
1: One pixel camera.
0: Yeah, so it's it was hard to figure out, but that's my that's my take on it. It was sort of Tahitian themed, but not really, because at the time. You know, that kind of travel, that exotic area of the world, it was starting to get traction, right? Right. Um, United Airlines had just started doing uh, flights to Hawaii eight years before something like that.
1: What year is this? 62.
0: Okay. So times are changing as far as that whole kind of Polynesian... Culture, so it was really weird. Anyway, you grab your stuff, you go sit on plastic tables, and you look out at the jungle cruise while you eat your Italian food. It just—it was incongruent. It didn't make any
2: sense.
0: (laughs) 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 Right. So I found a video of Walt actually talking about the um, Tahitian Terrence, and he (laughs) Tahitian Terrence. (laughs) I've been doing that for two friggin' weeks, man. The Tahitian Terrence. Uh, Walt pronounces it Tahitian. 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 Not Tahitian like we're doing, but it's Tahitian. I don't know if that's just his like Midwest sensibilities or whatever, but you know, I'm just going to keep doing it the way I'm going to do
1: it. Well, it's definitely.
0: He well, okay, sure. <clears throat> so I think the concept for the Tahitian Terrence, Tahitian ter- dude, I am so You're screwed up for that. I know. Uh, I think it was John Hinch who was kind of the art director of Disneyland at the time. I think that was his concept. I, I can't tell for sure. Okay. In some video, I thought I heard somebody mention John Hinch uh, in, in in a design capacity for that, but that's it. I, I have no idea anything else about it. That's okay. the end. No, <laughs> cool. I'm kidding. So it opened, like I said, 1962 on the Adventureland side of Disneyland, um, the Tahitian Terrace, the Enchanted Tiki Room, and the Plaza Pavilion, which is now, like I said, the Jolly Holiday Bakery. Those are all actually, it's actually one huge building. So when the Plaza Pavilion and the Tahitian Terrence Terrace opened, I can't you know, get It's fine. right. It's, for this we'll show, it's it right. the Tahitian Terrace. Right. It's fine. Uh, the uh, Plaza Pavilion and the Tahitian Terrace shared a kitchen. Okay. And they were uh, operating as two separate restaurants within the same kitchen. So I think that's why they ended up kind of sharing a menu. Okay. So for a while, when they actually changed the Tahitian Terrace to the Tahitian Terrace, right, instead of just it's the back patio for the Plaza Pavilion... Uh, the name changed, but the food hadn't caught up with the theme yet. <laughs> so you could still walk. So you you could walk into the Tahitian Terrace. So they they built the uh, you know like a brick like water bridge, right? And um,
1: yeah, I think I see
0: that. Yeah, with a thatched roof, and you still kind of walk through the thing. But uh, you could eat fried chicken and spaghetti. No, I don't think they did the bridge yet. Anyway, like I said, it's hard to so figure out this timeline for me still. because it's so it's so weird, man. This this is the hardest history of a thing that I've had to to do so yeah. far because there's not a whole lot of detail about it. So if I get my timeline wrong, I apologize. But anyway, you go through it's themed a little bit more uh, than it was before, but you have fried chicken spaghetti and meatballs.
1: <laughs> of course you do. I think Why uh, is not? this I think I found like a pretty good like artist
0: rendering. that No, that is the new thing now. Oh, rude. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll talk about it now. Uh, dude, th- this is 1962. That artwork is not from 1962. <laughs> I thought maybe he that, was just ahead of his no, time. <laughs> no, we'll get there. Uh, the theme, of course, on the terrace was a classic Polynesian-themed stuff, grass thatching, all that kind of stuff. Um, despite the lack of cohesiveness between the theme and the food, that area, the theme of exotic surroundings, it was so popular. There were lines all the time. It was crowded. People really loved that. Area, so Walt was like, Well, let's just put another restaurant right at the entrance of Adventureland. Well, sh- everything will share the thing, uh, share the building space. We'll anchor that right there. So, right when you walk into Adventureland, you have a little bit more to do, uh, which was a pretty bold concept at the time. Uh,
1: were they like running entertainment specifically? I don't think the that they area? were
0: running entertainment yet. I think the only entertainment was you go in and you get your fried chicken and then you look at the um, jungle boats come through. Okay. I think that was kind of it. I mean,
1: that's kind of entertaining.
0: Yeah, I but, but I think Walt wanted to do something bigger. So with this new uh, restaurant right there, his concept was a room with dozens of caged birds suspended above the patrons while they ate. That was a concept delivered to him, right? right? Walt thought this was a terrible idea. <laughs> he hated it because he said the birds would poop on the people below matter of factly, that was Walt. John Hinch, we mentioned earlier, uh, like like I said, art director at the park, he said, well, no, they'd be stuffed. They'd be stuffed birds, Walt. Walt hated that idea even more. He said, Disney does not stuff birds. That's right. And then John says, well, look, not stuffed, but mechanical. So very clearly, he was changing his idea to meet Walt's expectation, which I think kind of happened a lot. Where and this For, is where
1: you like throw out an idea at Walt and he's like you're stupid and then you're yeah, like no, no 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 I meant no. this
0: yeah and, 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 and he like, likes Ahh. it even less and you're like well but yeah but that but no but not really
1: and then he's like oh you're a genius like, do oh, it
0: yeah and so so John says uh, mechanical and he goes oh I like that okay <laughs> I like that so obviously you know where this is going that idea became the tiki room
1: right and and I've actually always heard that the original idea for the Tiki Room was to be a restaurant. Yeah. But
0: and and I w- guess it Well, it was supposed it stems to be here. a restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it fit. You know, the idea fit since there was a real surge in popularity of that exotic travel, you know, that was uh, happening. Which I think was, uh, you know, it was pretty cool. So not only were they going to go ahead with the Tiki Room, but they also wanted to uh, revamp the Tahitian Terrace with a di- terrace with a dinner show. I'm going to do that all night. It's
1: fine. Don't worry about it.
0: So before this, they didn't really have a show. You're just hanging out. Okay. Inside the terrace, they built a stage for the dinner show idea. They had uh, a waterfall in the back, on the back left. And what would happen, and they would have performers that would come out on the stage. But the way that they would have access to the stage is the waterfall would actually part as a curtain. And then the people oh, would come okay. through the waterfall, right? Nice. Very exotic, very beautiful. They also had an art
1: reminiscent of the fountain and the tiki room. Yes, with all the water things.
0: Yep. They also had an artificial tree behind the stage, much like the one that was made for the Swiss family Robinson's treehouse, which is now Tarzan's right. whatever it is. It had over fourteen thousand handmade leaves and flowers on it. The Holy problem crap. was. So there's a story about Walt, you know, he's checking out the terrace and whatever, and the tree's built, and they're like, oh, this is really cool, and um, he goes to the very back of the terrace, right, and then looks at the tree and goes, well, it's it's too low. The tree's too low. You The, the leaves are overhanging. They're going to block the performers, so if you're way in the back, you can't see anything. So he goes, I want... Uh, I want the tree to be raised. Now the tree is made of like rebar and concrete. Like it's not easy to do, and <laughs> it's, it's cemented and it's bolted right. into the ground. Oh like it's a thing. So some of the Imagineers are like, "Well, yeah, that would be nice. You're right, but it's it's a little too late." Which I guess at the time, Imagineers should have probably understood that you don't talk to that, Walt that's like that.
1: Not well. It's not even that you don't. That, like those words aren't in his vocabulary. Uh-huh. Well, right. It's like you're speaking a different language to him.
0: <laughs> right, right. Um, you, don't, so, you don't go to Walt and go, yeah, that would be cool,
1: but, eh,
0: but- whatever. So enter uh, the hero, Joe Fowler. We talked about him before. He was the head of construction for Disneyland. He had the nickname of Mr. Can-Do because whenever, uh, whenever he was asked to do something, he never said no. It was always, can-do, boss. Can-do. That was his thing. He figured it out, and that's how Disneyland was built. Which is kind of why it was. It's it, like it's amazing why people Waltz told Samo. Walt. Yeah, and it's amazing that people told Walt eh, that would be cool. Honestly, that would be really neat, but we can't. We can't do that. How, how do you? And, okay, <laughs> it's but weird. Like
1: Disneyland's already up and running, and it's it's like a thing. It's been going on for like. It's a thing. They. Well, <laughs> it is. Yeah. So they know his. They they know his work ethic and his expectations right. and. Just the, that's just stupid. Like, (laughs) it's dumb.
0: So what what they did is they got a crane, they pulled the tree out of the ground, and they added more steel and more concrete at the bottom and lowered the tree back in, which effectively raised it about four and a half feet. Then you could see the branches, you can see the performers underneath, everybody had a great view, and Walt got what he wanted.
1: Who didn't know that was going to (laughs) happen?
0: I know, right? Uh, It's unfortunate because uh, once the uh, terrace closed down, thirty something years later, they actually removed that tree. But it was built the same way as the Tarzan's treehouse was built. I think it was like the second largest tree at the time in the in the resort.
1: I wonder if it exists anywhere.
0: I don't know. I think that I have a feeling they scrapped it. They they probably you know cannibalized it for something. But you know, handmade leaves and flowers all positioned on the thing, and it's just it's a shame. You know, it is a shame. All right, so.
1: So I think you can see a picture of the tree if you yes. Google image search this. Yes. I think you can see Tahitian Terrence.
0: You can, Tahitian
1: <laughs> Terrence in Disneyland yeah. Adventure. Absolutely. You, there's, you can see like little Luau girls and mm-hmm. the waterfall. Yep. Yeah, that's, a, so that's what we're talking, talking about now. Tree. It's
0: cool, right? So you have the show, okay? The waterfall curtain parted, and the band, the Royal Tahitians, filled the air with island music. So if I can get this working, here is a little bit of the background music that you would hear while you're waiting for your show to start. Now, it says atmosphere music, and I don't know if this is the band or not, the Royal Tahitians. I have no idea.
1: Regardless, I like it.
0: Yeah. It's not really catchy though. It's, I feel sk- like I could skip ahead. I feel a bit. like
1: I could play that. There
0: we go. Man, I love this kind of music, like exotica lounge kind of, you know, Right. Hawaiian. Like you got the waterfall in the background too. I like it. Yeah. I'm gonna play this in my tiki room, dude. All right. Well, anyway, you get the idea. Cool stuff like that. To add authenticity... Oh, I'm sorry. With, uh, with graceful hip and hand movements, they had Hawaiian dancers, belly dancers, right? Or whatever they're called. Hula girls, right? Hula dancers. Uh, gave a tour of Polynesia. So if you go to a luau, it's kinda, I imagine it's kind of like that. If you go to any luau, like on Hawaii, they, they do little dances from different cultures of you know, considered Polynesian, right? It's not just Hawaiian or, or uh, you know, Tahitian or whatever. Right, it's right. kind of all, all thrown together. It all,
1: just, like, it all just tells a story.
0: Yeah. To add to add the authenticity, the dancers emerge from backstage wearing sarongs, grass skirts, or other traditional garments as appropriate for each of the islands. Then the lights would dim for the daring barefoot firewalk. And the thrilling fire knife dance, and when I say barefoot firewalk, there's videos of this show. Actually, I highly recommend you Google (laughs) searching for this show Um, because it's there's a couple pieces of video that exist of like the crowd, and the crowd is of course you know sixties dressed up, right?
1: Of course, because that's what you did at Disneyland.
0: But they're just enthralled. It was it's just it's really amazing. But firewalk is basically there's a like a circle of coals. You know, probably like a, a Weber size, maybe a little smaller. Mm-hmm. And the guy, he, it's not like what you think, where there's a big bed of coals, and then he walks across them. Like, and the secret of that is, of course, you wait till the coals have a the ash built up on the top, right. right? So you don't actually really kill yourself, not really kill yourself, but he stands in the fire. It's fire, and it's hot, and he stands
1: in it. He just
0: stands still. All in right, it. my
1: my computer is set to silent. I'm just going to Google that now.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, check it out. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty interesting, man. Uh, flames leapt from the water. The CMs that worked the terrace weren't, of course, the only ones to enjoy the stage. As of you know, it sounds like in that area, we've talked about it on the show before. The Jungle Cruise skippers, right, kind of like to invade everybody. So huh. apparently, there are stories after hours. Some of the skippers would come out, they would light the volcano up, the little volcano back there, and they would mm-hmm. dance around on the stage during during closed hours, like after hours of the park. Just for funsies? They would just hang out and party. Yeah. They would party on the Tahitian Terrence.
1: Jags are I did bad. That one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> are they though? Really? So uh, they had menus, of course. Every, every, why wouldn't you have a menu? Uh, so this is from the back of the menu. It says, welcome to the wondrous realm of Polynesia, the Tahitian Terrace. Here, Walt Disney has opened wide the portals to an enchanting island. I don't know why it's hyphenated, but enchanting island. World across the Blue Pacific, a world of romance, beauty, and exciting entertainment. Towering high above you is an amazing tree, a tree that grew in less than a year to a height of 35 feet. Through a secret formula of Walt Disney and his quote, Imagineers. The branches of this species, Disney Dendron, are laden with more than 14,075 hand grafted leaves and fiery color flowers that bloom perpetually. Today, this tree is Disneyland's second largest of this rare, unnatural species, <laughs> exceeded only by the Swiss family treehouse. I like this kind of making it sound like it's an actual real thing. Yeah, so you no, go, totally. wait, what? Dad, is that real? Uh, This continues from the uh, menu. Nestled beneath the tumbling waterfall is a matchless stage setting, a stage whose curtain is a cascade of water and whose footlights are a leaping flame of fire burning on the water itself. For your summer evening entertainment, the falls magically draw aside and out from behind the waters, sarong-clad natives appear to perform the swaying rhythms and amazing rituals of the islands. The hypnotic barefoot firewalk and thrilling fire knife dance and the traditional grass-skirted twist of Samoa, Tahiti, and Hawaii. And then in parentheses, the dedicated student will note how the storytelling technique varies from island to island. Here, a hip movement. There, the entire torso. Which I think they're kind of trying to be a little sexy about it, like... Oh, you know, we know you're going to stare at these girls shaking their hips, so let's couch it in like you're really just a dedicated student of Polynesian culture. Right, you're not just but being th- a creeper and yeah, sexualizing them. Yeah, I think they're being they're kind of being, you know, but they're also coy just with it. Kind
1: of sexualizing them.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, look, what are you going to do? Uh, this unique amphitheater, Disney's Tahitian Terrace, is open on summer afternoons for your dining pleasure, and every summer evening for dining and Polynesian shows, Sunday evening dining only.
1: First of all. Yes. I would totally go to that. That sounds amazing. Doesn't it? <laughs> so great. Um second, I have this question also, but so does um Mr. P in our chat room. Okay. Um fire knife dance?
0: Yeah, he it's like a uh, yeah, like things on fire. I couldn't find um So the
1: knives were on fire? He's I not think dancing so. on fire with knives cuz that's just extra. No, <laughs>
0: no, they were two separate things. Okay. Yeah. So this is how the terrace worked. There was an outside hostess and an inside hostess. The outside hostess was on the outside across the bridge, and was the first seam to greet the guests. Now you guys know what I'm talking about with the bridge. If, if you've been to Disneyland in the last ten years, think of Aladdin's Oasis, where they, it had that overhang with the gong or whatever. Yep. That was the bridge.
1: That was the bridge, right?
0: And I think they, they kind of when they when they changed, I think they pulled that. I want to say there was water underneath it. I don't know because from what I know about Tiki bars. crossing the water is supposed to be a good luck thing? I don't don't know. know. Whatever. Anyway, so the outside hostess was there. And actually, if you look at the picture that Maddie posted on our Facebook page, there's a good shot of the overhang with the sign, which is very 60s. I love it so much. And there's the outside hostess. Uh She would do the usual hostess stuff of getting the number of guests in the party, telling them a time frame for seating, and generally keep them in a, quote, good mood. That's from the manual. (laughs) Keep them in a good mood. Okay. Whatever. You don't want to piss off your hostess. Right. 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 Uh, The inside hostess is quote responsible for pleasantly seating the guests. Pleasantly. Pleasantly. Now here are some choice uh, excerpts from this uh, the customer or the okay jeez what is my problem not customer cast member training manual that I happened to find online. And I thought it was pretty interesting because not only is it just really weird language um, because it's the 60s, but it's, you know, Disney at the same time. Here at Disneyland, the trees, the waterfalls, and the atmosphere are designed by Academy Award-winning Walt Disney artists to create for our guests this Polynesian island paradise. Now it is up to us to recreate for our guests the friendliest, uh, friendliness, the happy atmosphere, and the fun-loving outlook of the Tahitians themselves. Okay. which is almost like patronizing a little bit. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're look, they're savages. They're just fun-loving. They don't know from anything, so it just they're seems real educated. weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. This requires smooth teamwork. I love the word smooth. Okay. I don't know. Uh, this requires smooth teamwork, which will give our guest the feeling that he actually is in Tahiti, right here in Disneyland. Right, right, this right. intangible something is w- what we call... The
1: Tahitian
0: Terrace Touch. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying about the language? Yeah. It's just very weird. I like it. The Tahitian Terrace Touch is a guide for personnel who work on Walt Disney's Isle of Tahiti in Disneyland. So by this, it, they're really thinking of it as you're on an island. Yeah, this you is walk a, over a that water. This is a different thing, your, right? Right, okay. This, the 1963 edition, was prepared by Tahitian Terrace personnel and supervision and the University of Disneyland staff. Our goal is the pleasure of our guests. Each guest is an island king or queen. Okay. When he or she leaves, we say aloha, meaning come back soon. And he or she says aloha, meaning thank you, Walt Disney and his st- and staff for a wonderful experience. Oh, then when we say aloha as guests, we're saying thank you, Walt Disney and staff for a wonderful experience. So aloha really does mean a lot of stuff. That's the Tahitian Terrace Touch. Now let's talk about how we achieve it. This is very important stuff here, everybody. Um, I did like weird photoshops. Okay, here we go. Um, our inside hostess is responsible for pleasantly seating the guests. She realizes that every, and in my head, I'm reading this as like one of those black and white fifties movies that you watch in the classroom. Like here's Johnny. Johnny's learning about grooming. He understands that he can't be the stinky kid in class. So he takes a shower clean under your arms, Johnny, you know, that kind of like, I don't know why. Uh, she realizes that everyone wants to have the best seat on the terrace, but that these are limited. For this reason, she uses tact in positioning out that, or pointing out that the seating is designed so that everyone has a good seat. She works very closely with the outside hostess and the waitress to make certain the guests are quickly seated and never have the feeling of being neglected. It's weird that you have an outside hostess, an inside hostess, and a waitress. She politely hands menus to each guest, uh, starting with the ladies in the party. She will also give advice on the items on the menu. And this should always be honest advice. <laughs> it's just I don't know, man. Whatever. Uh, here's the waitress. The waitress is Walt Disney's personal ambassador on the Tahitian Terrace. And it is through her efforts that the Tahitian Terrace touch is personalized. Mm. As soon as the guests are brought to a table, our Tahitian Terrace waitress becomes a hostess in charge of the group. Throughout the meal, she hovers over each of her groups, making certain that she can anticipate their every desire. (laughs) Stop hovering. Go away. I would pay pay you to go. Yeah, I had a mom. I don't need another one to make sure that I need a refill on my punch. Thank you, please. Our specific procedure can be simplified into certain steps. Uh, Anyway, talking about table setting, I thought this was a fun one. Nothing can... Uh, ebb an appetite faster, Bev, than sitting down to a sloppy or even a dirty table setting. The waitress makes certain that the glasses, silverware, everything in the table service is sparkling clean and in its proper place. The service starts with a smile and a warm welcoming aloha. Her first step is to immediately bring water or other drinks as requested. (laughs) I just, I don't know why I thought that was really funny. Your first step is to immediately serve water as soon as possible. Anyway, they have busboys. They had a, a, a maitre, maitre de hotel, I guess, which is like a, basically the general manager who would walk around and make sure everything's cool. There's a certain way to present the check. Um, this is pretty good. Uh, if it's a family of guests, the waitress should place the check in front of the man. If there is doubt as to who will pay the check, the waitress should place the check in the middle of the table. <laughs> Place it by the man Always the man It's the man's job Anyway I don't know I thought that was kind of fun Yeah A little uh, Now we can all work At the Tahitian Terrace uh, Once sponsored by Stofers, I, l-
1: I saw that picture. That is, that is so good. It's
0: pretty good, right? Eventually, that uh, changed because apparently it didn't really fit the theme. So Kikoman, the uh, soy sauce company, took over from there. The menus changed a little bit. From this point on, uh, or, or the Stouffer's era, there was no sort of Polynesian, Tahitian sort of theme with the names of stuff. Right. Um, but when Kikoman took over, they kind of changed some of the names to more exotic, you know, like, Pineapple slide or whatever, but they also changed the look of the menu and all that kind of stuff. When Aladdin became a box office smash in 1992, Disney wanted to embed all things Aladdin into the park. At the time, Adventureland didn't have Indiana Jones, so the land was at the least modern and had little change since opening day. Disney decided to replace the Tahitian Terrace with Aladdin's Oasis, which would be a quick service restaurant with a new dinner show based on the film. So, from 1990, what is it? uh or excuse me from uh, 1962 to 1993 it's almost 30 years this place is bumping people liked it aladdin came along you know what we really need more we need aladdin represented okay so they killed tahitian terrace they rebuilt it they took off all the theming took out all that stuff and replaced it with, you know, more appropriate Aladdin stuff, right? Unfortunately, most Disney fans consider this move a huge mistake for the park. Mm-hmm. The Aladdin also, dinner that's show. that's
1: just, sorry to cut you off, that's but right. that's just such a bad area. Like, that well, movie it, didn't fit that, that doesn't fit that at It makes no sense. At
0: all. Right. So you're going from Main Street, you round the corner, there's the Tiki Room, and then you're in the Middle East, and then you're in the jungle. <laughs> right. And then you're in a tree house, and then you're in New Orleans. New Orleans, no,
1: it <laughs> makes no sense.
0: No, it's really weird. Uh, do you know how long Aladdin's Oasis lasted?
1: Honestly, yeah, that, I was going to ask you that because I've I've seen the sign for Aladdin's Oasis for did it years, open up your eyes? but I've
0: <laughs> uh, well it the, showed me
1: a whole new world. Yeah, but the um,
0: dinner show how how long do you think the Aladdin? So basically, what they did is they just uh, they they did a, a theater style show um, you know, on the Tahitian Terrace stage, right? Um, Without the tree. And they just kind of told the story of the movie.
1: I'm going to say probably until.
0: Just give me a number. You don't need to give me like the year. 10 years.
1: I have to tell you the year. Five years? Okay. Okay. I don't know how many years, but I'm going to say somewhere around the time that um, DCA opened.
0: It lasted two years. So the space became a (laughs) largely (laughs) empty quick service restaurant.
1: But was it really, has it really always been a restaurant? Like, yeah, yeah. even recently?
0: Well, I'm getting there, I guess. Okay, Aladdin's Oasis has never matched the popularity of its predecessor, leaving many fans hoping that Tahitian Terrence will once one day return to Disneyland. So they were still doing restaurant service, but no dinner show. And I guess because it wasn't popular, because no one cared, maybe a little bit of both, it was kind of more the lean running times of Disneyland also. So some theories that I saw online was like, just from management, they were just trying to kill things to kind of rein in some of the spending. I can't believe that, you know, a theater show, if it was popular, they would kill it. So it had to be just kind of a weird congruency, but... Um, the restaurant officially closed on April 17th, 1993.
1: Okay, that was, I was like, I feel like that wasn't a restaurant because...
0: Uh, uh, yeah, uh, but if you're still looking for a Tahitian Terrace kind of thing, there's one in Hong Kong Disneyland opening, uh, it opened September 12th, 2005 and serving South Asian and Cantonese cuisine, just as an aside from that. Um, and then, yes, Aladdin's Oasis opened. Uh, so that was, I'm sorry, that was the Tahitian Terrace closing on April 17th, 1993. That's okay. its official closing date. No more. They converted it to Aladdin's Oasis, opened in 93, so didn't take very long, I guess. During two summers and on selected weekend days during other seasons, guests enjoyed the Aladdin's Oasis feast and show, which was basically a retelling of the popular story. Eventually, the show was discontinued in 1995. However, the Oasis continued to operate as a full-service restaurant on Disneyland's busier days. Tables continued to have excellent sightlines to the stage, but the stage was empty. In 1996, Aladdin's Oasis generally remained closed except for occasional private parties. In 97, the facility became a venue for storytelling. Now that's kind of when I started going back to the park, I think. So Mm -hmm. I do know, I I do remember walking by that area and always seeing it closed, but there were, occasionally there was a sign that you could like, there's like a storytelling thing there, but I didn't care. And I was like, well, whatever. I'm not going to sit and listen to a story. When am I a baby? Stories are for babies. Yeah. Anyway, let me get back to telling you about the story. Um, (laughs) Without any food service, Kazoo, the storyteller, tells a simplified version of the movie plot and plays most of the roles with help from Aladdin and Jasmine. That's just what I want. I want, uh, I want a stripped down version of a movie that I've already seen 12 times. Like That'll be cool. Um, anyway, eventually this too passed and Disneyland opted to use the Oasis as a character greeting space only. In later years, food, yeah, because you can meet Jasmine and okay, Aladdin yeah, every so once in a while, and that was kind of it.
1: I was gonna say, so like when we started going back to Disneyland, I always saw the Oasis, but I always just thought it was closed. And then occasionally, I would see some dude dressed up like Aladdin walking yeah. around over there. And I'm like, oh,
0: <laughs> what? Butting but, but, a cigarette on like it? a stuffed monkey or whatever.
1: What is I? Honestly, you didn't know what it was. I didn't
0: know what it was either. And and so this was actually pretty fun you know, to do. And I talked to Taryn before. I was like, should I do like the entire history of that whole area or just the terrace? She goes, yeah, do the whole thing. Why Aaron. not? Yeah, I guess, right? Uh, in later years, food service would return to the venue, but it was limited to special nighttime show dining package meals that could be eaten at the Oasis or taken on the go. Dining packages came with VIP access to viewing locations for fireworks, phantasmic, and parades. Starting in 1997... Oh, wait. uh, No, here we go. Sorry. And in 2008, it hosted something called the Indiana Jones and the Secret of the Stone Tiger, which utilized the Cave of Wonders backdrop as the title location. At storytelling, uh, Aladdin's Oasis would uh, run on a season... Whatever. I kind of messed up my words here. Um, Anyway, the last performance of uh, storytelling at Aladdin's Oasis would be December of 2017. And just kind of like that was it.
1: It just sort of melted away.
0: Melted away. On February 22nd, 2018, the Disney Parks blog posted an article and a photo that Bev has already found earlier in the show and thought it was from 1962. Um, (laughs) The article announced the transformation of Aladdin's oasis into something more fitting for that
1: space. Oh, go figure.
0: Something called the Tropical Hideaway. This space ties the Tiki Room and the feeling of the old Tahitian Terrace together with the Jungle Cruise and makes much more sense than going Polynesian to Middle East to Jungle in 10 steps. The story is... Uh, the story of a trader's market where goods come off the boats from the jungles and skippers go to the uh, tropical highway to hang out when they're off shift. Okay. And uh, that kind of that's the kind of vibe, right? It even has, since it's butting up against the uh, tiki room, it even has a break room for the tiki birds in the form of a rooftop birdhouse. Hi, Taryn. Hello. How you doing? Go on. All right. <laughs> Uh, in the form of a rooftop birdhouse so if you ever go to the tropical hideaway i mean it's open now so you should go to it um just be sure to look up and you'll see these little birdhouses and they have names of all the birds that are in the tiki room and it's it's very cute so they're 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 very much uh tying both things together and make this space Cohesive? cohesive to the land right uh Tropical Highway opened on December 19th, I think, 2018, with a lot of attention paid to detail, something we would expect from any new addition to Disneyland. There are several, refer- several references to other rides and attractions, such as a set of oars that are hanging on the wall that have plaques on them, featuring the names of various society of explorers and adventurers. Oh, sorry, that's my phone. That's very bad. Actually, that's the theme to the Rainbow Caverns.
1: I thought my computer was making noise, and I was like, oh, my gosh, turn it off. <laughs> That's me. Sorry.
0: Um, Society of Explorers and Adventurers members, or C, C members, uh, we've talked about it, I think, briefly on the show a couple of times, especially when we did the Tokyo Disney Sea, because that's where it started, uh-huh. and it carries through to some other rides and such around the Disney world. Among the most famous of these members are Harrison Hightower. From Tokyo Disney Sea's Tower of Terror, Lord Henry Mystic of Hong Kong Disneyland's Mystic Manor, Meriwether Adam Pleasure of Walt Disney World's <laughs> defunct Pleasure Island area. Imagine your last name is Pleasure. I don't know. <laughs> um, and of course, Dr. Albert Falls. Many of the names featured can also be found in this. Uh, uh, excuse me. Um, Additionally, if you've ever ordered from the kids menu at Magic Kingdom Skipper Canteen, and who hasn't, the name uh, <laughs> the name Chef Tanjai may be familiar to you, which is on the the oars as well. C. Falco appears to be short for Camelo Falco, who will be featured in Tokyo Disney Sea's soaring, fantastic flight. So. They're just you know, they're bringing in lore from other places. Right. They're making it very much a worldwide kind of thing. I think that's really neat. I, I don't know anything about uh, the Disney Sea thing. I know nothing about right. it. But at least these are little Easter eggs that you can go and hopefully go, what does that mean? And then just you'll look it up and you go, oh, this is really cool. And then maybe it'll get you to, to go do some other stuff. <clears throat>
1: Perhaps, the menu looks amazing.
0: Right? Perhaps the most exciting addition, at least to Tiki Room fans, was the announcement that Rosita has been found and will be anchored at the hideaway. Who is Rosita, you might be asking. I have no idea. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Sounds like a bird. If you are one of those people who knows the Tiki Room script by heart, you'll recognize that name from Jose, asking, What happened to Rosita? That's my... That, that was good. It was wasn't
2: it. bad. That was really good. It's
0: okay. All right. Uh, it happens fast, <laughs> and they don't really explore that kind of like thread. It just sounds like a throwaway line, but it's cool. The Imagineers took that and they tied this to the new hideaway into the tiki room like that. So Rosita is a fully animated, beautiful, gorgeous uh, bird, and uh, she, you know, she's animated. She has some puns and some jokes. So it's again, it's it's looks like part of the tiki room merged with part of the Jungle Cruise skippers, and you know that kind of punny jokey kind of stuff right so anyway uh the service has what's been called fast tiki and i don't like it i don't don't like that term. i don't (laughs) like that term but mm, what can you do Uh, the tropical hideaway has food and of course like most new places in the park it seems it even has a secret menu so they have a bunch of dole whips they have like four or five different flavors that's too bad but if you go if you order one and you say the words spiced up Okay. When you're ordering one of the Dole Whips, you get it with crumbled, candied, smoked bacon bits on top. And apparently, it's amazing.
1: That's Crum- just because people like bacon. Well, yeah, crumbled, candied bacon sounds good. Smoked.
0: Crumbled, candied, smoked bacon.
1: Mm, I give or take the smoke, but...
0: Yeah, but bacon's better smoked. I don't know, man. I'm, look, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh my God, bacon on everything? Are you kidding me? I love it. Uh, that's not me. Bacon's good, but, you know, there's better stuff out there. But apparently, paired with the Dole Whip, Apparently it's pretty good.
1: Interesting. It sounds really gross. Yeah.
0: But um, here, can you
1: imagine the end though? Sorry, when you drank it all and there's just like chunks of bacon at the bottom, <laughs> you're sucking through the straw. No. Cold apparently it's like bacon.
0: yeah, it's like wrapped on the side. I don't know. I saw a photo of it. It looks pretty oh, it's good. Whole. Well, I mean it's the it's a Dole whip right. and then it's sprinkled with candied crumbled bacon on okay, no, the side. Okay, no, she said
1: whole bacon. I like there were like oh, no. bacon chunks. she and might have,
0: but she doesn't No, I didn't. Know. So the menu uh <laughs> it's you know it's it it's very Asiany. They have a spiced vegetable bao which Asian yeah, Asian food, right? Uh which is like um dumplings, mm-hmm. right, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe. Them. Um bag of chips. <laughs> I don't know. Of uh, pineapple spear, whole fruit, lime, chicken bow, chili, uh, chilled ramen shaker, which I guess is like a like a cold noodle like salad that it's in a thing you shake it up and you can put it on your plate and eat it. Okay. I don't know. It huh. looks pretty good to be honest. With. Yeah, mango <laughs> slices. You can buy mango or watermelon there uh, for desserts. They have sweet lumpia. Oh yeah,
1: oh wait, pineapple. sweet. Interesting. Yeah, uh,
0: it looks like fried. I
1: support it. Whatever it is. I mean, lumpia is. Delicious. Yeah, cream
0: cheese pineapple with Dole pineapple dipping sauce, uh, pineapple and orange swirl. You have a loaded whip, so you can get any one of their Dole whips, uh, loaded with pineapple. Oh no, apparently it's just a specific one. Pineapple and orange swirled together with exotic fruit and crystallized hibiscus on it.
2: That doesn't actually sound too bad for it's a Dole whip. Seven
0: ninety nine sounds kind of good. Uh, Dole whip float, pineapple raspberry swirl. Anyway, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, let me get back to my list here. If you uh, apparently if you get the bows, you should spend the extra fifty nine cents for the salsa rojo, which is a misnomer for tropical highways. Delightful gochujang, oh. dipping sauce. If you don't know gochujang, it's Korean red pepper paste. So the menu is uh, really geared more uh, to I guess the Asian side instead of like the the Hawaiian kind of Tahitian thing. But it's all it all fits in really well. I think that's good. And that's the history of the Titian Terrace. Nice,
2: good job. I actually really like that. Thank you. There was—you kept saying there wasn't so a whole surprised. lot of information, but that was there kind was of it. a lot. You yeah, think so? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I, you know, uh, what I was saying in the beginning was that, like, what I what I expect from these histories is—is is if there's names of people who worked on it, then we should oh, mention yeah. that, right? I don't know who designed it. I think John Hinch did. I don't know. Uh, I just—I—I I, I would like to know. I just wanna know all that stuff if it's out there. But there's not a whole lot out there.
2: Yeah, I get that.
0: So anyway, there you go. That is the Tahitian Terrace music. I kinda of wanna or I kinda of wanna play that music again, dude. <laughs> this is the uh area music. For the Tahitian Terrace.
2: Kinda of sounds like like you're on jungle cruise or something. Or I guess waiting in line for tiki
1: room.
0: Yeah, I like it. <coughs> yeah. Speaking of Tiki Room, man, I bought the um, Raleigh Crump book.
1: <laughs> yeah, you were saying this.
0: Uh, it's, it's called It's Kind of a Cute Story. So good. Yeah. Such a good book. Yeah, I mean, he basically just like retold his life to somebody. And they wrote it down. And uh, that guy has led an amazing life. I don't, I don't want to say. I don't want to mention it. Well, I guess already. I mean, it's already implied what? No? I don't know. We're we're in talks to interview Raleigh on the show. We're also in talks to go down and interview him in person. If we do that, I'm bringing Nick, and we're doing it video like we did. Oh, Walt Disney Family Museum videos up yeah. on YouTube. Check that out, Terrence. Terrace and I.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you did not just call him I Terrence. Did. Oh, okay. Somebody needs to take a drink for that. <laughs>
0: yeah, Terrence for the whole show. I was calling oh, I the T- Tahitian Terrence. What?
1: I heard that <laughs> Mr. P in the chat turned your uh. T- Tahitian Terence into a oh drinking God.
0: game. <laughs> no, I think if I called Terrence a Terrace, I think you have to vomit. Okay. You have, to, like, you have to, right. to remove a drink. Yeah. You
1: were like...
2: Uh uh, you were like broken like, i get well, you i get say i say the right way <laughs> i get kind of
0: nervous about it because i have like a limited time during the day to like make sure all my mm. notes are in order and i didn't and and it was it was very hard because anyway because of reasons but uh mm-hmm.
2: um that reason is still screaming just so you know oh is she i'm just waiting the 10 minutes to oh, go back up right. there
0: well that's yeah. cool um yeah, anyway, get that book, that Raleigh Crump book. It's super cool. He talks a lot about, you know, obviously how he got his job, but uh he talks about doing the design work for the tikis in front of the enchanted tiki room. And it's just really I don't know, it's just fascinating stuff. If you like those little tidbits and you like kind of that personal connection to the park when you see certain things. It's Which a is really phenomenal why, book.
2: That's why we all love the park. Is because of those personal touches. So yeah.
0: It's good stuff. I really, uh, I really like it. And, you know, of course, it has a lot of his artwork in it, too, which I'm a big fan of his artwork. That's uh, good stuff. All right, here we go. Let's do some Disney news, huh? March in the past, present, and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the ears of Disney News. Ew. Man, I had a quick thought about uh, <clears throat> renting a, another space at Ralph Brennan's and doing another live show next year. It was so fun. It was a good time, right? But
2: but we have to get rid of our child first.
0: Mm. Uh, Star Wars Land Boarding Pass Virtual queue. So right now, Disney plans to use a time-to-entry boarding pass system that guests can book via the app on their smartphones after the initial reservation period ends, rather than waiting in a physical line. So once the reservation system is over in like a month, you know, or whatever, like late June... You're going to be queuing up and and checking it on your phone, Hmm. which is kind of cool. I like kind of calling a boarding pass. Um,
2: Yeah, does that like, well, Well, well one's going to help with the crowds, right? Instead of just having it open suddenly after a month.
0: Yeah. So beginning on June 24th, early morning rope drop visitors will be able to head directly into Star Wars uh, land without securing a boarding pass via the virtual queuing system. Once Star Wars land reaches capacity at that moment, admission will be restricted to the boarding passes. So I don't know how you get the boarding pass. I, I don't I don't think the details are really out yet, of course, but uh, a status bar in the app will then show guests whether Star Wars uh, land is full and if boarding passes are required. Then you wait in the virtual queue while enjoying the rest of Disneyland and push notifications will be sent out via the app when it's time for your boarding group to enter Galaxy's Edge. So I guess you, you look at your phone when you get in and you go, oh, the land's already full and maybe you just beep push put me in line for the for the boarding pass or whatever if you're not using the app there will be kiosks throughout the park that will issue paper boarding passes which i feel like you have to get because it's a good souvenir because they will not be continuing to do that forever and it will change so get one of those worth
2: like 20 bucks on ebay uh
0: yeah you must be inside the park to select the galaxy's edge boarding group using the app or the paper kiosk of course so anyway i thought that was kind of cool um Once your boarding group is able to enter, guests will have two hours to arrive for the Galaxy's Edge boarding pass. So you have a two-hour return window.
1: Hmm. I don't hate that. I don't hate that either, I guess. If you're in
2: line for something, you can't get right over there. I I actually think that this was very well thought out. It actually makes a lot of sense. I like it. Yeah. Good job. Um,
0: Yeah, that's good stuff, right? I think it'll be fun. Uh, Disney releases full menus for Star Wars Galaxy Edge dining locations. I don't know if I care necessarily about <laughs> doing the menus. Yeah, I'm not going to do menu stuff. It's more of a read thing. Um, Bye, Taryn. This is a cool thing. Epcot's space-themed restaurant will open later this year. I, I think I mentioned it, like, like last year in the news segment that they're doing a, a space restaurant. I didn't know it was going to be opening this soon, but it seems pretty uh, cool, man. They're going to have more than a 1,000 bottles of wine and craft beer. Cool, craft beer. I love craft beer. Really? That was it? All right. Well, anyway. Cool story. Yeah. There's like nothing (laughs) out about this uh, stupid thing, but supposedly it's like you're going to be on like a space station and all the windows around the thing just look like you're in space with like the earth down below. So it's going to be pretty dope. That's cool. Yeah. I'm excited for that whenever we go back. Did I tell you we're thinking about going back? or well we haven't started saving yet but uh
1: You have a reservation?
0: No, for Taryn's 40th birth Is it in 4 years we're going to go to Disney World.
1: Oh, I'm I misunderstood what we were talking about. No. Sorry. Uh no, you did not tell me that.
0: All right, well, start saving now. Here's a new thing. I'm trying to figure out if it's cool or not. Disneyland debuts new Flex Annual Pass requiring reservations.
1: I saw this.
0: To enter the park. <clears throat> it's it's interesting. Um so here's what it is: Reservations may be made on select dates online or by using the Disneyland app. They can be made up to 30 days in advance, and each Disney Flex Passport can hold two reservations during a 30-day window. So I think what happens is you have um, you have like 180 something days to just use the thing whenever, right? And then there's no blackout dates, but you have to make reservations. So you go to the annual passport page on the website. Make reservations can be made up to thirty days in advance. In advance, and that's kind of it. It's five ninety nine. I don't know. It's just oh, reservations may be made for only reservation required dates. Reservations are unlimited and subject to availability. I, I I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know about it. It, because because it's five ninety nine for you just pay an extra hundred dollars right exactly but there's no blackout dates but it sounds like the reservation system will be limited to when you can go into it I I, I guess I just don't really understand it so if someone like out there is smarter than me please first of all prove it
1: <laughs> done yeah um I feel personally like this is something I would wait even though I probably won't. Um, I mean, cause I'm all about saving money, <laughs> well, right? Right. but like, I don't know that I would buy this straight out of the, straight out of the, whatever it's called. What the, the gate? Yeah. Gate. Thank you. <laughs> I the thing with the door straight right. out of the gate. Like I kind of want to see how this plays out.
0: Yeah. Me too. Because I thought I read online that you have a set amount of dates that you can kind of just, so just go whenever, I. but it doesn't sound like that. Um, it doesn't sound like that from the Disneyland website.
1: I think it, just, which is what I'm well, reading. Well, actually, if I remember correctly, I think it just said the week of, the ho- the big holiday weeks were blacked out.
0: So you have to reserve your. T- I don't. I just. I guess I don't understand it. I thought I did, and then now I'm reading it from the website, from the Disney website, and I had, I don't understand it. So now I feel stupid. I don't know. We'll see. I agree. I'm not. I mean, look, we're not going to get our passes. We're not going to. We're not going to renew our passes, and I'm. I'm holding to that. Because we just okay. don't go down enough, we just don't. I can't, we can't afford it, man. So, uh, you know, what are you gonna do? So, we'll see. I don't know, man. Whatever. This is kind of fun. If you are in the LA area, actually at the Moonlight Rollerway in Glendale on Thursday, June thirteenth, and if you are a Gold member of D twenty three, the official Disney Fan Club, they are doing a uh, whole party for the world premiere of brand new seventies theme outfits for Mickey and Minnie. They're going to be doing a basically a disco roller party at the Moonlight Rollerway in Los Angeles, California. Uh, attendees are encouraged to dress in their favorite disco attire and come ready to skate the night away with fellow Disney fans to iconic tracks like Disco Mickey Mouse, Mousetrap, and of course, Macho Duck. Huh. there you go. All attendees will also receive a vinyl copy of Walt Disney Records' Mickey Mouse Disco to take home and boogie all night long. I actually That's have, cool. I have a record. I have that copy. It's really? pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought it at, like um, thrift store or whatever. I mean, it's you know, it's Mickey Mouse, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, macho duck. It's like ma- the macho man, but mm-hmm. it's Donald. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get it. You get the. I know. No, I got okay.
1: all the puns. Yeah.
0: Um, but anyway, it'll begin at 8 p.m. at the Moonlight Rollaway and um, will it last until about 10:30 check-in will take place on 730, 830. So, you know, not for everybody, obviously, but uh, if you're down there, check it out. And you're a gold member, which I might do. I don't know, man. Um, If you are going to Disneyland and you are an annual pass holder, this is for you as well. You get temporary uh, limited time discounts. So if you go to Gibson Girl Ice Cream Parlor in Disneyland and... Uh, Clara uh, Clarabell's, excuse me, hand scooped ice cream in DCA. Uh, typically, the a- annual passholder discount does not apply to these two locations, but now through June 30th, passholders who order via the Disneyland app using mobile order will receive their 10 to 15 percent discount. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. They're really making sure people want to like let's let's get this mobile ordering thing going on, yeah, dude. Yeah, um, and then, like if you want to do some bowling, but you don't want to pay $24 a game or whatever it is. Uh, now, through May 31st, which is <laughs> coming up real <laughs> fast here, uh, APs can enjoy games for just $12 per bowler. Discount applies Monday through Friday from 5 p.m. to close. Be sure to show your annual pass for the discount. Maybe That's gonna, cool. Maybe we can do some more stuff like that. I don't know. We'll see. I like that. Yeah, they're doing a lot, of course, with the Disneyland Parks app. They're doing a new interactive experience themed to Splash Mountain and uh, Kid Cop Kidcot Fun Stops at the Walt Disney World Resort. You know that it's going to be moving over to Disneyland, so don't worry about it. Um, from listening to the songs and sounds of Disney to racing virtual rockets at Space Mountain and becoming a Disney a trivia master, the Play Disney Parks mobile app connects families and friends to the theme park with interactive experiences. I
1: wish they could just give information without it being so saccharony.
0: I know, it's pretty dumb, dude. Uh, these new Play Disney Parks app experiences presented by Ziploc <laughs> are um, like Ziploc. the Zip Ade Dooda Day zippity doo da day. Guests will find their laughing place as they play together through a series of Splash Mountain-themed mini-games featuring some woodland pals from the attraction. After completing these whimsical challenges, guests are rewarded with special photo frames to help them capture the memories. This experience is a great way to turn wait time into play time while waiting in line for the attraction and also can be played anywhere. And then they have a Disney Kid Cop thing, which is like through... Um, there's like fun stops called Kid Cop Fun Stops through the World Showcase pavilions and Epcot. Anyway, I I don't know, man. We've talked about it before. They're really driving people to use the app in line and stuff to play that. games. I don't love that either. I, I actually really hate that. Everyone's on their phone anyway, and that's what everyone is just complaining about. Like our age, like oh, everyone's on their phone. They're gonna be more on their phone.
1: Well, and, and like, it's gonna
0: be super annoying. And so you're gonna be in like the dark tunnels of like Splash Mountain, where you're kind of like. Acclimating your eyes to stuff, and people can be on their phones. The screen—it's just—it's going to ruin a lot of the cues for a lot of things. Agreed. I hate
1: it. And also, like your—and I don't know that I've ever really seen this before at Disneyland. I think they're pretty good with hiding their outlets, but oh yeah, more people pl- trying to find places to plug their phone in because your phone's going to die.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we talked about like ways to save money or things to bring to Disneyland, or one of the, the recent things: bring battery pack. that like, get your battery chargers now. Like, just get them and get used to bringing them. A couple more stories and then we're out of here. Disney just uh, gained full control of Hulu in a deal with Comcast. So there's that. Disney now owns Hulu.
1: We knew that was happening, right?
0: We assumed it was happening, but um, yeah. Anyway, so there you go. That's kind of cool. That's it. That's the story, and then okay. uh, and then finally, there's a petition. Now you know I hate petitions. I think they're stupid. Yes. There's no real reason to do them, especially on change.org or whatever. But this one, I'm I just
1: uh, sign them all the time. Like <laughs> I sometimes just go on to change.org and I just like. Do you really? I just click on one and I just start signing.
0: Like, do you really? No, I don't.
1: Oh, no, I have a life.
0: Uh, do you? No. Okay. Uh, there's a petition for a Stan Lee memorial statue in New York City. Which I think, yes, that's 100%. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, A small group of fans came together after Stan Lee passed away last November to campaign online in an attempt to get the city of New York to commission a memorial statue for the late publisher, and it seems now that a petition for the proposed monument is gaining a lot of steam on the internet. The group of fans created the petition on change.org in hopes of getting the attention of some of New York City's most prominent figures capable of erecting the statue. Fans chose the famous city for the memorial statue as it was the original home of Stan Lee, where he was born in December nineteen twenty-two, and he lived in New York until the early eighties. And the more as of the morning of May fifteenth, two thousand nineteen, the petition has almost ninety-two thousand signatures. Wow! Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. So, anyway, go to Change.org and uh, you know look for that it will be a fun time. I think it's cool. I think Stan definitely deserves something. I mean, he brought a lot of attention to New York City and um, for all intents and purposes. I think he was a nice guy. Cool dude, yeah. I don't know. I mean, hard to say. All right, I think we're done. Okay. I think we are getting out of here. So anybody listening live who's also a Patreon supporter, we'll be back in about... 30 minutes or so with a drink and some more news and hanging out for the secret show. So for the link for that, go to patreon.com slash up. of course, and there's a, a post right there. For all you guys uh, that aren't Patreon supporters, I know where you live, and I'll be visiting you soon. Thanks again to getawaytoday.com for sponsoring today's episode. Whether you're traveling to Disneyland, Disney World, or beyond, head over to getawaytoday.com slash up. And of course, do not, how dare you, if you even think about forgetting to ask for the 21st Amendment beers wherever you find good craft beer like DCA. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot, and until next time, we'll see you in the parks.